This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand on the air. You are on The Witching Hour with Fina and Madeline again this time because she's lovely and they agreed to come on my show again and we're going to talk about art and I'm going to play some music off of Hiatus Coyote's new album called Mood Valiant because I am so hyped about this band and I want to share it with everybody so we're going to do that too but Madeline, hi. hi. How are you? <laughs> I'm good. I just realized we didn't even like have a catch up really before we started recording. Yeah, no, I just, we just talked about other stuff to talk about, and yeah. I have yeah. Well, um, yeah. Should we? We can. I mean, we can catch up on the show. It is my show. We can talk we about could. whatever we, we want. We could do that briefly. Just say mm. what we've been up to. Um, yeah, I literally don't know what I've been up to. <laughs> yeah, like, if three people have asked me how I've been today, and I, I don't know. Well, the answer to yeah. That. Let's just say good. We're both yeah. good. Yeah, like I presumably like we're both here. Mm. We both made it. Smiling, mm-hmm. shining. Yeah, enjoying the sunshine. Mm-hmm. I'm yeah. really grateful for the sunshine at the moment. Mm-hmm. Oh my lord. Um, yeah, cool. That's good. Great. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, we, we were talking last time about I don't remember what we talked about on the podcast last time, but. Uh, with each other last time we saw each other which was for the podcast uh we were talking about the pressure to commodify art or hobbies your hobbies to like just make money off of whatever you're doing Mm. and we were talking about how that's ridiculous really and you don't have to and you can make art just because like if you want to make a thing please make the thing please don't feel like you have to turn it into a full-time job it's okay to not do that um which is like you know the main i guess thing that we wanted to yeah touch on the main uh, yeah i just think it's important like as an unemployed artist right now um a lot of the time when i'm creating something i'm i don't know well i'll say with writing actually i've given my writing to a few people who have been published um people who are like consistently published in journals people who have their own books that sort of thing amazing people who just know a lot or people who have edited other people's poetry and i find that the main thing that I get is that it's like a little bit too abstract my writing and it's not because it's like not relatable enough basically Hmm. because of the parameters of the editing are is the reader going to be able to relate to this and I think I just it really feels unnatural to try and edit something for the masses like I think the whole I've always felt like the purpose of me putting my art in any form out into the world is so that somebody we talked about this last time we saw each other but so that somebody might find it and it might change them in a way, might inspire them and make them see that I actually can write really abstract stuff and it's okay if no one else relates to it because the point of it is not to try and reach as many people so I can sell a book and make money. Mm. But at the same time, if I want to be a poet and that's Mm. what I want to put most of my my energy into, how am I going to make money? Like, how am I going to have a life and be able to pay rent and buy food and, like, Yeah, it gets really tricky when when you... uh, start putting it through that lens of like well this needs to do this so a broad appeal is better but also I write really weird stuff like mm-hmm. it um because also but also I was I've, I've been like frowning for the last like minute while you've been yeah. talking because <laughs> and it's not at you it's because it's, it, I, I was like wait what like because the stuff of I haven't read much of your poetry but the poetry of yours that I have read I have related to quite a mm-hmm. lot 
and I haven't found it particularly like like yeah sure abstract but like I write really abstractly sometimes mm-hmm. as well so like I guess I don't know um, and like for example the lyrics in this album that I'm gonna play later often are very abstract as well and so like I'm sort of from there anyway so it's not gonna I don't I don't know who the basically I don't know who the audience that these editors are aiming at is but I feel like I'm probably not it mm-hmm. <laughs> and I feel like that's also okay because like um because of how audiences and media work mm-hmm. like no matter what you're making it will appeal to somebody yeah and like the thing about um trying to appeal to a mass market in particular like the way that I feel about that uh comes from um doing film study I went to uni and did film media stuff and um it bugs me for the same reason that Hollywood bugs me mm-hmm. because like Hollywood cinema uh has a, like this is this is this thing that I'm trying to this subject is the reason why every movie is a superhero movie mm. now <laughs> because that's the safe bet cuz like um you know Hollywood movie producers know that that's going to make them money if they yeah, stick if to this formula because like, it has made the, well that's the thing they don't know it's going to make them money but they assume that it will because this is what you know because previous superhero movies have been really successful so oh, we keep on this track and also don't do anything new with it just just keep it on this track we'll just stay in this stay in this lane and we'll make money because and they will yeah but also they're missing so many opportunities to like tell better stories yeah and to like really kind of use the um, amazing set of like source material that they have because they're busy trying to play safe to get the most um, sell the most tickets you know yeah, and I feel absolutely. like it's a similar type of thing going to like also I wanted to say before as well well done well done for taking your work to people who publish things and people who edit stuff and people who like because it's so terrifying <laughs> sharing your work with anyone ever and especially I, somebody that you look up to yeah exactly it's really scary and it's especially when it's like um especially when it's art like it's always scary there's always this kind of the scariness of showing any anyone anything that you've that that you've made especially when they do the same thing or especially when you like look up to them and stuff and especially but like i'm like especially when it's poetry like yeah so <laughs> because it's like little bits of your soul like, this, and yeah it's like i'm sorry i'm just okay. I, I um am always afraid to show people my stuff is why i don't have anything like i you know i've read it events and had people be like oh where can i buy your stuff and i'm like you can't it, <laughs> it, it existed right then when i said it now it doesn't exist anymore <laughs> and like partly that's just because i have anxiety about talking to printers but like and it's also money but also i just i'm like what what why why not <laughs> what do you mean you want this thing also are you sure and like you know it's all of that all of that, all of that lovely self doubt stuff, and I'm really proud of you for like sharing your work Thank with you. people. It makes me really happy because also, so nice. like the work of yours that I have read is really cool. And, Thank you. Yeah. Um, I've uh, so many things that I want. To, I feel like we should have taken notes at the beginning because there's so many things that I want to touch on. This is a huge topic. Mm. So, a thing, another thing with just like poetry in particular is one poetry is already like probably the least like. Uh, popular form of writing mm. I would say like most people aren't really into poetry um, yeah not in the same way as people like are into like 
novel series. Novels, or yeah. Like, yeah. People are really happy to eat up something that, you know, could be more broad or could be, you know, it's poetry, basically you have to interpret it. Mm. Like it's it's just in a lot of cases, especially when it's something abstract, but in a lot of cases it's just it's just a small amount of words or it's a long amount of words, but it's not telling a story exactly the way that a story does. Mm. So you have to, it's like really open to interpretation, which is part of why I love it so much. But it also requires a lot more thought than just reading a story does. Yeah. Because you have to decide what those words mean. So I think poetry is difficult for that reason. And then add on top of it the fact that it's like abstract and maybe touches on things that not everybody can relate to, like sexuality or a certain type of trauma, whether you're even saying those things or people just might get that from it. It's mm. just people don't really care. So then I under I do understand why editors want to make things more sort of palatable or more broad but there's a I don't know there comes a point where editing something feels wrong like sometimes something just feels finished Mm. and it's okay if it doesn't follow the exact rules that you've learned about that thing and poetry is such an open and loose thing anyway that it just seems weird to have to follow some kind of rhyme or reason some kind of format um yeah but that's yeah it's it's also something I just love so much and like I just keep you know, getting little messages from my intuition saying, like, just keep doing your thing. Like, you yeah. shouldn't change it. Please you know, keep you doing should, your thing. Of course you should, you know, if you trust someone and you look up to them and all that, you should take their advice mm. with a grain of salt because they have different tastes than you. Oh, my God. Please always take anyone's advice with a grain of salt because yeah. they're always, always coming from their own set of stuff mm-hmm. that doesn't have anything to do with you. And, like... Especially if it's like if someone gives you advice and the advice makes you feel terrible about yourself and what you're doing, that's not good advice for you to be taking. <laughs> like, yeah, you have to look at the person who's giving you the advice. Like, mm. do I want to go down the same path as this person? No. Do I like where they are right now? No. I feel like, why am I taking advice from them? If we have totally different morals or different ways of being in the world, maybe it's just not... You know, there's probably some wisdom in what they're saying, but it doesn't mean you should just follow it. Yeah, like, I tend to lean towards... Uh, um, like thinking that other people by default know more stuff than I do. Yeah, and so me too. Like, if, yeah, it's just it's, uh, there is so, that's a whole big thing in itself. The reasons for that, but um, so like because I I tend to defer to other people by default because I don't trust myself. There you know screeds of reasons for this, but anyway, it um, can make it really hard to like when especially if you're getting feedback about something that you've made. It can make it really hard to remember that any feedback that you are getting is just somebody's opinion and it's not fact about your work necessarily Mm -hmm. like especially when we're talking about art because Mm -hmm. art is so subjective and also everyone's experience of it is subjective and unique because of how people work it's ridiculous what i'm saying is you don't have to take everything to heart like take the good things to heart and you can listen to the other things, but you don't have to let them sit in you. What I'm saying is, kids, don't be me. Which, <laughs> <laughs> like, um, yeah, it's, I don't know, it's, feedback and advice are always tricky things when, like, especially when you, like, feel like you've put, like, pieces of yourself into a thing. Yeah. And it always, I don't know, it feels weird to be asked to kind of, censor that or edit that especially when you're happy with what you've made yeah and i think that um the like things we're talking about about like editing and stuff come from it's coming at a piece of work from two different standpoints because one of the standpoints is 
how do we make money off of this? Yeah. And, like, the, you know, good art isn't necessarily going to make more money, and that is frustrating. But there's a lot of good art that I think it's no respect and no recognition or very little. And, like, Mm. I... And then, but who's to say what is good art? Obviously, yeah, exactly. like, and, but there's what I what I mean is there's stuff that you know certain poets and things that I read that I just don't like very much, and mm. it doesn't mean it's bad. But you know, my head might say this is bad, and then it's I don't know. There's just some things that are some things basically that are so palatable that anyone could relate to it. Mm. It's just not really for me. Yeah, I think enough. I'm looking for that more specific. And it doesn't even have to be a poem that's about something I've ever experienced. It's just mm. you can feel it. Yeah. Like, a good example of that is um, Liz Breslin, who yes. just just released her book, um, like, maybe two weeks ago. And I went to the book launch. It was so beautiful. Amazing. And she read this poem of hers, which is about domestic abuse. Mm. And that's the second time I've heard her read that poem. The first time was at the Young Writers Festival last year. And... The setting and the way that she read it and the way that it was just so honest and such a simple poem, um, it just hit everybody. And I just remember, like, that was the night that I met Rushi Vias, <laughs> and we just, like, held each other and started crying. And I, he was like, it's okay, like, you don't have to, like, explain. And I was like, I can't relate to this at all. Like, I don't know what that's like. And we were both just crying to each other, even though that wasn't a shared experience that we had at all. Mm. It just hit us both so hard. And I don't, I don't think it ever has to be, like, what am I trying to say? Do you know what I mean? It doesn't yeah. have to directly relate to you in order for it to make you feel something or make you appreciate it. Yeah, exactly. Like, it's not all about relating to the thing. It could just be appreciating someone's incredible mind. Hmm. And I just, I don't know. I like how raw and how simple some things can be. And I think it's worth appreciating rather than trying to make it into... A product. I just don't, don't really know how we do that, which I guess is kind of the next thing is like, how do you actually be mm-hmm. an artist who makes money without sort of editing yourself to a point that doesn't even feel like, I don't know. Or does it come naturally to some people to make stuff that's really palatable? That's the thing. I have no idea. Like, I think you'd have to talk to like so many different artists and you'd get so many different responses. And I think like, because yeah, there's that thing of, like, oh, make it more palatable and you'll get a broader audience and, you know, theoretically you'll make more money. But there's also the thing of, like, if you just follow your track and, like, do the, you know, do your weird things if you make weird things. Like, there are some really weird artists mm-hmm. around, like, who make <laughs> a living off of their art because they found people who also really vibe with that really niche specific yeah. thing. And I think that that's part of the key to it. And it's, like, um, you know... uh we live in a time where it's like we, we we have the internet now. Like it's a lot easier to find people who like the same obscure things as you do than it sort of ever has been. Like pre-internet days, mm-hmm. which is really cool because like it you know gives you the opportunity to like connect with people who like are into the same weird stuff as you are, and like. I, I don't know cause, because also like I don't make a living off of my art mm-hmm. and so it feels weird to like because I am speculating on what seems to be like a good way to go through that based on what I know about um, people who do make a living off things that they make like m- like my thing with um, like when you're talking about taking stuff to editors and then being like oh it's not very relatable like we've got to 
you know, make it more this to do this. I my whole brain was like, no, like no, you don't. Yeah. Take it somewhere else. Take it to someone who does like self publish. Like put your, you know, like you, if you are making something, like especially if it's like just you making the thing, like you get to make the calls about what it is and what you want it to be, mm-hmm. and like I think it's a it can be a real shame to let other people's thoughts on your work get so far into your head that you start changing how you work um because like i don't know it's a, it's it's a similar thing to like if i make a new friend i want to get to know like when i meet you i want to get to know you i don't want to get to know like the the ideal your ideal kind of person that you think that i want to be friends with yeah i want to know who you are and it's the same thing with reading anyone's poetry it's like i don't want to see what you think I want to see it's like I want to see what you do like I mm-hmm. want to see you and it's like yeah it's it's a tricky thing to navigate I think the commodification of art is always a really tricky thing to navigate because it seems uh I don't know it seems it's I was gonna say it seems unnatural to commodify art but also by extension it seems unnatural to commodify anything yeah because I'm very anti-capitalist. It's just, just uh, a shame that we, the time that we live in is quite, it's quite obviously encouraged to have like a side hustle. Some people necessarily have a side hustle because they mm. can't live on the wage that they make. Um, and there are some things that I just wish we could just leave as pure as just being a hobby mm. without involving money. Like I've always really wanted to do like writing courses. One of my favorite writers, Natalie Goldberg, um, she used to teach writing classes and that was the thing that she did for quite a long time and it was a big part of her life and she still does some stuff like that I believe but when I read that I was like I could do that like that's a job that I could do is teach writing classes and I do writing exercises like I organize that with people that I know and my my flatmates and stuff but it's never a paid thing like it's mm. just because I have I'm under the impression that I don't know what I'm doing all the time mm. <laughs> so I, and obviously and these are my friends I just want to share this time with them yeah. But at the same time, it's so enjoyable and so fun the way that it is right now that if money comes into the mix, it changes everything. Mm. Like, I'm going to feel the need to have some sort of credentials under my belt. And who's going to who's gonna pay me to teach them how to write if I'm not published? And how do I get into publishing? It's going to cost me money. It's going to cost everyone money. And I might not even make any money from it. Mm. And it might – it's just – it just complicates everything. Yeah, I um – had some thoughts while you were saying that and I wanted to like you know put them in a nice fancy integrated sentence and I haven't but um like you say that last year we met because of the New Zealand Young Writers Festival they paid me to teach a writing workshop uh which I did and it was like a full session like we didn't have more space to get more people into that session which was amazing I didn't think anyone would be any kind of interested. And it was so good. Oh thank you. (laughs) I have no qualifications in writing to back me up at all yeah and I have been like I I got a what have I got I've I've had a piece of writing when I was 13 made it into my high school like yearbook (laughs) magazine thing yes Um, that's awesome thanks like uh I had a piece published in the spinoff because of the New Zealand Young Writers Festival like they wanted pieces from yeah it was amazing they wanted pieces from um people who were running workshops and uh they um, and so I submitted some pieces and I got an email that was like, "Hey, this doesn't work for what we want right now, but can I hold on to this and publish it later?" 
And I was like, uh, yeah, please, thank you. That's really validating and nice. Um, and, like, but that's, like, that's about it. Yeah. Like, all I've really done is kind of read at events, and it was for the festival, yeah. which was, it wasn't even September last year, it was the year before. Was it? Was it? No, it was 2020. It was My last bad. September, yeah. Yeah, it was last September. It feels September. like it was it's so long like ago. It's just, like, being more of this year now, so I got yeah. confused. Um, but, like... Yeah, I hadn't done none. None of my stuff was anywhere prior to that festival, and then I only started putting it up because I felt like I needed to <laughs> in order to be able to teach this thing. And like people came to it, it was free because I I got paid by the like festival funding, and so people could come to the workshop for free. Yeah. And um, so that was really cool for one thing. Um, but thanks to New Zealand Young Writers Festival. Uh, like, I've just completely lost track of um, what I was saying. It was going to come back into what we were talking about. Um, um, how you had no credentials, but you got paid by the festival anyway. Oh, yeah, I got paid, and people enjoyed the content. Like, thank you for saying it was good. I really appreciate was, that. I, and I had, oh, you know, a few, so I had a few really nice conversations with people after that workshop who came up and were like, hey, this was really helpful for me, thanks. And, like, yeah, I, I don't know what I'm doing. That whole week of the festival, I just gave up on trying to know what I was doing. I was like, this isn't going to – I don't know. I'm just going to go with whatever happens, and we'll see what happens. And everything went really well. Yeah. I recommend just don't try <laughs> to, like – you know, it's, it's it sounds ridiculous, but, like, um, if – yeah, I don't know. If you are in a brain space where you can try to just go with things as they happen – I recommend trying to just go with things as they happen. I struggle so much to do that, but every time I do, everything is easier. <laughs> um, but, like, yeah, and I, I put up a survey on my Instagram story after that, and I was like, hey, would anyone be interested if I was doing another one of these? And I got so many people saying yes, and then I did nothing and about so it. And so many like, people who don't follow you and aren't on Instagram would have said yes, too. Oh, oh, oh my love, thanks. Absolutely. Well, you just... I just need to interrupt you for a second and say <laughs> I just have to because it you it was just so amazing how every time you went up, pretty much every time you said something like, um, this isn't finished, but I'm just going to read it. And then it was like you almost just finished it as you were reading. Aww. Or you would just, you always said something like, I just finished writing this um, 45 seconds ago, so I'm going to read it now. And people were crying. And like, <laughs> people, like people in the crowd or people at tables that I was sharing would say, anything along the lines of that was like the most incredible thing I've ever heard or like oh my god that sends shivers down my spine what? and I was like me too Aww. who is this person <laughs> it seemed so crystal clear to me that you were some massive fixture in the writing community I just thought oh. like I sort of grouped all these people together and I was like okay Fina clearly knows what they're doing and <laughs> like even though their whole shtick is like I don't know what I'm doing. It's mm. it's like this effortless, like it just works. And it totally does work for you. That I, you just kind of, it just happens. Things are happening and you are like, oh, here oh, here I am in the middle of the thing. I appreciate that. I'm on stage. So much. <laughs> because, like, I didn't, I had, uh, I'm. <laughs> what? You're also just so reassuring always. I That's mean, your biggest thing, I think, is I was thinking that on the way here. I feel like your shtick and you're saying, if there's a saying for you, is just come as you are. Because mm. people just come as they are. And I everything I say, so 
about how I was walking here in a rush and I was breathing really heavily and you stopped me and said, are you insecure about breathing? And I said, <laughs> yeah. And you said, it's actually fine to just breathe. Like, it's normal. Mm-hmm. Like, oh my God. Yeah. You, you're just so reassuring in every... I'm getting a little... Yeah. Too, I'm my like, eyes are wet. I'm like <laughs> trying not to cry over here because I didn't know any of these things until just yeah. now. <laughs> it's, these things are so... These are the main things that I think about you is that oh. things are just happening. You're going with them. You're so creative and so smart and so obviously wanting to make people comfortable. That is all I ever want to do is mm. make people comfortable, as comfortable as possible. Because, like, life in, you know, oh, life in capitalist societies is built to make you as uncomfortable as possible. Like, a five-day work week with a two-day weekend is built to keep you uncomfortable mm-hmm. so that you don't have the energy to be like, hey, this is a sucky system. Maybe we should look at doing something else. And you can't when you don't have the energy because you've been working for five days and you get two days off and you're just like, ah, and you just get just enough time to breathe, enough to go back to work for the next week. Not enough to like sort anything else out. Or, like, or make art. Or look at how you feel about life or any of that. Like, And so because of those things, I try to yeah help people feel better and help people feel more comfortable and help people feel like they're not alone because it's so easy to feel like you're alone and feeling bad about things like whatever things and you never are like statistically you you can't be alone Mm. in anything because there's too many people (laughs) for you to be the only one on the planet who feels this way Mm. like there's always someone who will know what you're going through and i do my best to try to I don't know, convey that or be that when I can be that because, like, I'm also insecure about how I breathe. Mm-hmm. And that was why I could ask you that is because I recognized it because yeah. I do that as well. And and it's, I don't know, I have, you know, I have chronic depression and anxiety. Like, I know what it's like to feel bad most of the time and how much that sucks. And if I can give anyone some form of relief from that for any amount of time, I really want to. Mm. And, like, especially when it's about like everyday normal things like breathing like like body stuff like being hungry like making a thing and feeling weird about it like these are all super normal things and they so often don't get talked about as like like I've never met anyone who's admitted to me they feel uncomfortable about the way that they breathe I've been feeling uncomfortable about the way that I breathe since I was like seven years old. I'm 27 years old. Like, you know, like it's, and, and I don't know. I didn't know what I was doing over the whole Writers Festival. My friend, uh, that was Ellie, it was Eliana Gray, (laughs) um, who is one of my favorite poets ever. Uh, Amazing. One of my favorite people. Yeah. Oh my God. They're just the, Ellie, you're just the best. Ellie. I hope you hear this. Um, <laughs> and uh, they they like messaged me on Facebook and were like, hey, you should apply to run a workshop at this thing. And I was like, what? You think I could do that? You think I could do that? Because like, I, oh, I love them so much. Um, but like, yeah, that was all that had happened was like I'd been to a couple of um, like workshop things that they were at and that's where they'd heard my poetry and then they were like hey do a workshop and I'm like wait (laughs) what why do you think I can do this and part of my thing for like um yeah I did do a lot of stuff over that 
festival that I had written. Like, I had only read poetry out loud to people two times before the Writers' Festival. Whoa. And oh they were God. both in um, Autipoti Writers' Lab workshops uh, with with Ali or, like, with yeah. Emer Lyons, Emer, yeah. another incredible poet you should go check out. Um, and, yeah, they they really encouraged me to, like, no, it's okay, read your stuff. And, yeah, and I'd only done it twice. And one time was for a, like, lead-up to the Writers' Festival event. <laughs> and, like, and then because of how I kind of treat my stuff in my head, like, the older it is, the kind of less I like it because the further I've moved from that point. Yeah. Um, and so I was like, oh, I don't have anything that I want to read for this or I don't have anything that fits with this. I'll just write something, I guess. And I got asked last minute to be in the um, poetry slam that was on that week and I didn't have anything that was long enough and I was going to a performance poetry workshop that morning <laughs> and so I spent that workshop and the rest of the kind of day when I had breaks and stuff because I was going to like two other workshops that day and then the poetry slam and I was just spending my like downtime breaks just like typing in my phone like in my memo app on my <laughs> phone and then I got to this thing and I was like hey so I uh I wrote this today I don't know how it's gonna go ah because I had that event that I was reading at before the slam and I was like I don't know how this is gonna go I wrote it for the slam later can I read it to you mm-hmm. and everyone was like yeah and then I read it and then like people were crying and like <laughs> and I was like I don't I like I don't know I'm I just all I've done is write a lot when I'm sad, and I've been sad a lot. So I guess, like, at some point I got practiced <laughs> at writing. But, like, that's all I feel like. That, that's that's the story of of me at the points you were just talking about. Yeah. And I'm just, it's funny because I just i am putting you on this pedestal of sorts hmm. where you're an accomplished artist and I'm... It's like dipping my toe and trying to figure out if this is something that I could do. Yeah. But I'm also like, just sitting on the side dipping my yeah. toes in. It's, we're but doing it's the funny same thing. Because I'm just watching you doing that and thinking like, okay, you're there and I'm here. But really, we're definitely in the same pool. Yeah. Absolutely. We're for sure in the same pool. And everybody I, is. Yeah. Because I look at you and go, well, actually, you know what? I look at you and go, oh, man, you have no idea how good you are. Like, You'll figure it out, and I'm so excited for you to figure it out. And I will do whatever I can to help you get there faster if you want. But like, you're so good, and I can see you, you not knowing yet. And like, it's it's so much easier to see this kind of stuff in other people mm-hmm. than it is to see it in yourself. Because like, you can sit there and tell me all day what you think of me, and like, I'm still trying to process that from earlier. Yeah. And like, I don't because it's so different from how I see me. But the other thing is that I have to see me all of the time. Like, I don't, you don't see me all the time. You mm-hmm. don't see me, you know, struggling to get out of bed every morning because I do that. Or, like, you know, forgetting to brush my teeth or having to brush my teeth. Like, it's, you know, you don't see all the little things that are so often what, when we're thinking about ourselves, we'll look back at all these little things about us that, like, no one else knows about. Yeah, no one else even sees. And no one else cares about. And no one else would care about. And they probably tell you, oh, yeah, I do that too. Like, you know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. you, you. When you look at other people, you're only able to assess what you've seen from them, and it is never everything. And when you look at yourself, you have everything to look at, but you don't pick and choose the bits that you show to other people. You pick and choose the bits that you don't like. Yeah. And like, you know, I say that like 
I do that all the time to myself and like but it's it's like I don't know it's a thing that once you know about it you can start to kind of shift how you treat yourself and that's really important because you're important you specifically hearing this now <laughs> you you're important and like yeah I don't know that's those things <laughs> that's stuff there's some words I've, yeah yep. <laughs> lots of words um what what time are we at right now uh we've been talking for 32 minutes i'm gonna Whoa. put a song on <laughs> because like we're supposed to what well, we're supposed to i usually uh break this up into like usually i have like three or four songs prepped and i usually get through three of them and it's usually like i'll talk for like 15 minutes and then play a song and mm. then like but when I have someone else to talk to, it's much easier to, like, you know, talk yeah. for longer. But I want to show you this song off this yeah. album because I love it. Uh, this is Hiatus Carity from the album Mood Valiant, which has just dropped. Please check it out if you have the spare time and the brain space. It is incredible. This song is called Chivalry is Not Dead. And I'm just going to see if I can make it play because I haven't been in here for a while. And I was going to, like, be real smooth and play it right then, but that didn't happen. So <laughs> uh, Chivalry is Not Dead, Hiatus Carity. Here we go.
Kia you're back on the Witching Hour with Fina and Madeline today, and that was Chivalry Is Not Dead by Hiatus Coyote from the album Mood Valiant, which you should check out, because it is all that good, and we'll probably chuck a couple more songs in along along the way, along the way of the chats, but today we're talking about mostly poetry and making things and not being so harsh on yourself about them, uh, and we were talking about over the song break, um, writing with or without intention for things. So I tend to mostly write as a sort of coping tool, like if I'm feeling down about something or whatever, usually that's when I end up writing stuff is to kind of help me process thoughts that I'm having trouble processing. Because if I write stuff down, it's like, I have ADHD, I'm thinking five things all of the time. But if I'm writing it down, I can only write down one thing at a time. So I have to... It, it, it is a way of kind of, you know, I can't be bugging out over five things at once if I'm only concentrating on the one that I'm writing down kind of thing. Mm. So that tends to be how I work. Uh, and or if I have, like, if someone's asked me to read at an event and I don't have something that fits for the event, then also I'll write something like for specific things or for a specific person or stuff like that or just you know every now and then I'm just like oh I want to write a poem but that's quite rare <laughs> but you were talking about having a slightly different way of approaching things than I do yeah I I feel like I never write with intention per se but as you were saying that I guess I realized that one of my intentions for writing is to get something out I feel like when there's something on my chest or something like sort of just something that I need to talk about I I need to talk about it or I need to write about it which is why poetry is a good outlet for me. Mm. So I guess that's an intention, is like needing to to work something out. It's also a way of communicating with myself, so I guess there's a bit of intention there. But consciously, I never write for a reason. Like, I never have been able to sit down and say, I'm going to write something, Mm. with the exception of a few writing exercises that I've developed, that they work for me because I developed them. But, (laughs) like, I found that writing prompts, even, often Mm. don't work that well for me. And I think that part of what I love so much about writing is the rawness of, like, going into it with no expectation, mm-hmm. no conscious intention, and just kind of a word comes into into my head or something inspires me and then it happens. Yeah. And then I go back to it with a different headspace to edit it or whatever. But, yeah, I find it really interesting the way that you've been able to sort of, like, I guess under some kind of a constraint or a pressure, like needing mm. to be ready for an event you can pull something together that is like just feels so complete and so ready. Part of that, I think, a small part of that, though, so, like, don't feel like you can't or anything. Part of that is, uh, for me, is, like, understanding um, the, the conventions of the thing that I'm doing. Like, um, there are different types of poems that have different sets of rules, and then also poetry as a form doesn't need to have any rules at all, but there are different forms that do have their own rules and that gives you a like yeah it's constraining but it and it restricts what you can do but it also gives you a structure to build off of and like I really like writing haiku poems because like it's short three lines five syllables seven syllables five syllables so there's a set of mm-hmm. things that need to be filled in and then I can just fill them in um, rather than having the kind of amorphous blank page that can sometimes be really scary. Sometimes it can be really inspiring because you can do whatever you want and it doesn't matter. Mm. And then other times 
the fact that you can do whatever you want it doesn't matter it's like oh no that's so many things what what do I do and so for those reasons I think constraints can be really helpful uh creatively but like only if you're like you know setting yourself like small rules of things to do within that medium don't don't use that as an excuse to like be real harsh on yourself that is never helpful um but like like you were saying about prompts I love prompts like a lot of my work that I've been happiest with has come from prompts really yeah and I feel like a lot of the reason for me for that is that uh if I write something from a prompt like I used to think it was cheating when I was growing up because I found it so much easier and Mm -hmm. I was like ah but I just you know you give me these and I just fill in the gaps and I wasn't realizing that like yeah but what you're filling in the gaps with is you Mm -hmm. like you're doing that it still has your voice exactly and like you could you know you can't give the same prompts to a room full of people and everyone will do something drastically different with it and I love that I think that's so cool but like um yeah and I think also for me having my work come from a prompt rather than just from in my head gives me a certain amount of distance from my work so I can kind of separate it from myself and be like no I mean it's not just me I just took I just used these things and Mm -hmm. so I don't have to uh worry as much about like oh, this is something that I've made because someone else or something external, like a, you know, a random a random word generator has like had a hand in it as well. So yeah. I don't have to feel like it's just mine and I'm being judged and all that. Mm-hmm. So like I feel like it helps me in that way as well. But like that's my own insecurities and stuff. Um, but yeah, I find it much easier to go from prompts. But I think that because, uh, you know, everyone sees everything differently. It's it. I don't see writing with prompts as a constraint as much as I see it as a structure or like a way to like a starting point because otherwise I might not have one of those and that might Mm -hmm. make it really difficult to like because so often when you're making anything the hardest thing to do is the first thing Mm -hmm. and because like oh it exists now and now I have to you know but like as soon as it exists you have something to work with and also you like I don't know I'm thinking of it um there's a podcast called Start With This uh it's by Joseph Fink and Jeffrey Craner I will put info in the thing um, description thing but uh, it's called Start With This and it um, one of the first episodes is about creative constraints and um, oh, it's, it's a really good podcast if you want to write stuff go listen to Start With This um, but they had a Joseph said a thing that really resonated with me at the time and it still does and I can't remember it word for word but he was talking about how before you start something you have this idea of it in your head and the idea very often is perfect and then when you make the thing, it's not as good as the idea that you had. But the idea that you have can be perfection, and the thing that you make can't. Like, that's not how making stuff works. But also, um, it was basically the whole... The, the, the thing that I'm trying to say boils down to make a thing, give it a flaw, make it exist. Because, you know, if it's got mistakes in it, it's a thing. It exists. Mm. It like yeah. the thing that with no mistakes can't exist. So make mistakes, because <laughs> then you're making stuff. Just make stuff. Mm. It's like it's what it all boils down to, really. I just I want to talk about hike. Sorry, I just kind of yeah, cut yeah. you off. Actually, no, that's that's so fine. Do it. Come um, <laughs> Just with haiku, I found that to it, that was for a long time was one of my when I was in Kauai, which is like a small smaller Hawaiian island um I was writing a haiku every day that I was there because it's so inspiring the energy there's really strong which might sound a little bit hippy dippy but it's not 
it's Hawaii. That's yeah. what Hawaii is. Um, and it sounds like hippie stuff if you don't understand how indigenous land works. Yeah, and <laughs> absolutely. Yeah, exactly. That's yeah. why the energy is so strong there because it, there's such a connection to that. Mm. Um, uh, what was I going to say? And also the basic actual terminology of energy, like what energy is. So anyway writing a haiku every day, a Japanese haiku, which is, like you said, five syllables, seven syllables, and then five, and uh, technically should have a nature theme as well, mm. or some kind of motif of nature, that sort of, all those parameters of, like, what a haiku is made it so much easier for me to do a little bit of writing every day, mm. even though that was, like, mentally an incredibly hard time for me because of what was going on in my life outside of being on this beautiful island. Um, I found that just like writing a small haiku every day was an incredible thing to do with intention, whether any of them turned out amazing or not. Having those sort of restrictions, you could say, or having that sort of constraint, like some people might consider a prompt to be, really made it a lot easier for me. I forgot about that until you said haiku. I forgot about haiku. Um, it's one of my favorite ways yeah. to, it's one of my favorite forms to work with, especially in English, because it comes from Japanese, which is a syllabic language, like the um, you know, it doesn't have individual letters in the way that English does. It has sounds, mm. like, in the way that Māori does. Like, mm-hmm. um, And so, like, it's built around syllables, so it's easier to, like, it's easier to put a syllabic language into a syllabic form than it is to put a not-syllabic language into a syllabic form. And I really like that about it because it's, like, because I can only really effectively write in English... Um, and this form was not built for English specifically. It's fun for me to try and kind of find ways to make those two things kind of work together, and it gives me... I think that prompts and forms and stuff like that give me something to work towards Yeah. more so than just, I want to write something does, for me personally. Like, And I think that uh, makes it easier for me to kind of get past the initial kind of starting block where like I don't know like I tried to write a story a few weeks ago because <laughs> my friend was writing a story and I miss writing stories and I wrote like two sentences and then I gave up and like <laughs> and I think it's just because I didn't know where I was going and uh yeah sometimes like um like I wrote a poem once from a bunch of prompts like we got handed it I was at a workshop we got handed a list of prompts or like a list of lists of prompts like there was like groups of like five words Mm. and it was like pick a group of five words chuck them in a poem and they were like um maybe like five or six groups of words and I was like I want to write a poem with all of them (laughs) and so I did and that was also how I knew when I'd got to the end was because I like put all these words in so I could like as I cool yeah I can stop now like (laughs) it's like it's yeah I really do uh see prompts as frameworks more than constraints and I've never really quite thought about that this much until now but um yeah I don't know I feel like I I cut you off and there was something else but I don't know Uh, I I, well I don't think you cut me off I feel like we're good (laughs) I don't feel like that at all um that's that's good yeah I what the last thing I want to say about like format and um prompts and that sort of thing is something I've noticed with having um a group of people in my home that are doing writing exercises with me is giving them, for some people, giving them a topic and saying, you know, write as much as you want or you have to fill the whole page. 
that's that's one I've done before is like you have to fill this entire page. It's not a big piece of paper. You can write as big as you want. Mm-hmm. And if you get halfway through and you're satisfied and you've used the topic that I gave you, you can just write the same word over and over and over. <laughs> but you have to fill the whole page because mm. it's just it's just completing the prompt basically. And that's also how you know you're done too. If you've done that and you feel like it's done, but the whole thing is like you have to follow these rules. Mm. That's really interesting because um, also I feel like sorry I don't mean that's to, okay uh, yeah. We, how about we just talk? Yeah, let's just talk. <laughs> um, yeah, I feel like uh, having the rule there of filling up the whole page also makes you more likely to write a longer thing because even if you exactly. get like two sentences in, like it's going to be boring writing the same word again and again and again. So that's you're why probably I say write it. more stuff, and then that's gonna yeah yeah that's mm. that's good. I like that. A yeah, lot. I, f- I feel like I maybe stole that from Natalie Goldberg, but I don't know if she actually ever said that. Now well, that I'm also about it. one of the things about creating art generally is all of it stealing from everybody yeah. all the time because. <laughs> Like everyone's a collection of experiences, and you're drawing from those experiences, and like often those experiences involve other people and things that they've done, and so like it's we're all stealing from each other all the time. The the problem is when you're <laughs> consciously making an effort to take something that isn't yours oh, and yeah. make people think it's yours when you're that's, genuinely yeah. like plagiarizing somebody yeah. else's work. But that's the thing is like you know nine out of ten. I want to say ten out of ten, but I never want to say ten out of ten. Nine out of ten times. You'll know <laughs> if you're stealing yeah. someone's stuff because you'll yeah. have decided, I want that thing exactly. I'm going to do yeah. that thing exactly, and I'm going to do it like it's my thing that I thought of. And yeah. like you'll know if you've done it because you will have decided to do it. I don't know. I worry a lot about like, oh, this is just really derivative of this, or like, am I just doing the same thing as this person? But like, by default, nine out of ten times you're not because you're a different person mm. and you're going to interpret it a different way. Yeah, I I did some writing in the past few months um, and looked at it and was. It was pretty different to other stuff I had done, and I realized it's because I'd been reading a lot of Dominic Hoey, mm. and he has a pretty specific style. Um, but it just—it never felt totally right. Like I love the poems that I wrote, but they're not—they don't really feel quite like mine because it feels like I was so invested in what he was writing and his mm. writing style and his choice of language. Like everything about it was different, basically. And it was really nice, the little stage, but its I just have learned to take what I like from certain people, which is exactly what art is. It's yeah. Going to, I think it's all good to go to the art gallery and take photos of, or just like look at a painting and think, like feel really inspired and think, I want to do something like that. Yeah, I that's how it, you but, learn. You but, see people do things that you yeah. think are cool, and then you try to do them You go home and do it, but and it's, it's never yeah. going to look the same, yeah. and that's a really good thing. Because right? if you're just trying to recreate something, it's not... It's not really yours. Yeah, because that's the other thing is, like, no matter how hard anyone tries, they're never going to be you. Mm. And no matter how hard you try, you're never going to be anyone else. And that's the that way around hurts. But, like, no matter how hard <laughs> anybody else tries, they're never going to be you. Yeah, I know, right? They're, they're never going to be able to, like, offer what you can offer. And that's really cool because what that means is that everything you make is the only one of that thing. Yeah. And I love yeah. that so much. Like that's why. Like I love handmade gifts. I love making people things, and I love I love when people give me things that they've made because I'm like, oh my gosh, thank you so much. Like one, the amount of like thought you had to put in and effort you had to put in to give me this thing. Thank you. That means a lot that you think of me enough to want to do that. But also, no one else has this thing. Mm-hmm. Like that is so cool. I have the only one of this that exists on the planet and that will ever exist on the planet because even if they make 15 more of that same thing they're going to be, all be slightly different and I love that that's how kind of really it is the default of creating anything is it's going to be utterly unique and 
I think there's such a thing of trying to be certain ways and trying to like fill certain boxes and whatever that uh, it's easy to lose touch of how cool that is. Like, that's really cool. Make something. It will be different from anything else that everyone else has ever made. Yeah, I'm a big fan of not... I don't ever want to do prints of any of my paintings. I kind of just like the idea of doing um, a small, like, A4 sort of sized painting and that being the only one of that. And I am, mm-hmm. like, in a bit of a phase with painting right now where I'm doing a lot of... I'm just really into this one style, and it's really fun. And I just genuinely love doing it so much that every one of them feels special. Yeah. Um, and it would be nice if we, just to go back to the very beginning of commodifying things, it would be nice yeah. if I didn't have to think, like, realistically, if I want to make money um, and, you know, survive by selling paintings, which I'm not at all doing right now. But <laughs> if I wanted to, I would have to make prints. I can't. Mm. It would be unsustainable for me to sit here and paint 15 paintings that are exactly the same just so that because 15 people want to buy it mm. but it would be nice if we lived in a world where i could just we had enough time this is another dominic hoey thing but he has it was an, i think an interview or something that i saved on instagram like just a little uh, snippet of it that he had like posted it was just words and something he said something about how there needs to be better arts funding and better art spaces and that sort of thing especially in auckland which is i think where he lives because mm. he said something about how it's pretty hard to make weird art if you're tired from having a 40-hour work week. Yep. And also, you know, I think people, artists should be able to just stay home and stare at their hands and write about that if they want to. And I'd love that image of, like, someone just staring at their hands for 40 hours a week instead Mm. of, (laughs) like, maybe writing one poem and not feeling, like, really existential and deeply upset and pained because they didn't earn money from selling, from, like, you know, like, they they just wrote one poem and then they went to bed happy because they made a thing yeah and then they were like okay i'm gonna sleep for as long as i want to now and not wake up at 6 a.m and break my back to work and Mm. i agree with all these (sighs) things and i love talking to you and we're gonna (laughs) we're gonna do this more so i hope you all like this too because uh this is what i'm gonna turn this podcast into is yarns about writing this is our podcast now (laughs) yep and like it's making me like more motivated to come in and do this yeah and i really appreciate that and to do other so, things yeah exactly um collaboration is good in whatever form you can yes um also i don't know don't let me tell you how to live your life take whatever you want from this uh, yeah. i'm gonna play another song because we're about out of time for this one um and this is yeah this has been really lovely thank you so much for oh, coming and talking you. to me and we will do this again uh, this is more Hiatus Coyote album is Mood Valiant go check it out if you have spare time and brain space for a new album I, it's amazing um, yeah thank you so much for listening like so much I, I hope that you resonated with something in this resonated with you yeah for sure and like I mean either way we've both had a good time so mm-hmm. um, I hope you've had a good time too uh, yeah all the usual things you matter I promise you matter you really you i try really hard to make like no you you right now hearing these things you're good you matter i'm proud of you this is hush rattle by hiatus coyote we'll see you next time
This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand On the Air.